Well, Merry Christmas. Christmas. It's great to see all of you here today, and I'm so glad you decided to join us as we celebrate this Christmas together. The title of my message this evening is Christmas, A Season of Red. Recently, a survey was done, and in that survey, they tried to determine what colors equal what holidays of the year. Some of the holidays, I guess, gave them some difficulty. For example, Easter, they couldn't decide between pink or yellow. When it came to Halloween, they didn't know if they should go with orange or black. But you know, it's interesting that when it came to Christmas, they formed a consensus immediately that the color of Christmas should be defined as red. Christmas, a season of red. But why? What was it that caused them to so quickly and universally decide that red was going to be the definitive symbol or color for Christmas? Was it the fact that they tried to make their their way out of one of our local shopping malls during the Christmas season and all you do is see that line of taillights? Oh my goodness. I live near Woodfield. Pray for me. Okay. Unbelievable. Was it the fact that almost every gift that you see wrapped at Christmas time is wrapped in red paper? Or is it the fact that every time that we see Santa, he always seems to be wearing red? I'd like to get that one picture of him in plaid just once. And yet we see him in red all the time. You know, someone said that you can tell your age by Santa Claus. I thought that was interesting. First, you believe in Santa Claus when you're young. Then as you grow older, you don't believe in him any longer. Then as you get a little bit older, you become him. And as you get a little bit older, you begin to look like him. Yeah, I won't call everybody out. But for me as a believer in Jesus Christ, it's, it's easy to understand why red would be associated with Christmas. See, it was at the birth of Jesus Christ that he obtained something that he didn't have before. Now, the Bible clearly tells us that Christ existed prior to his birth there in Bethlehem. He existed with God from eternity past. But his birth was required. A formal word for that is incarnation. His incarnation was required because he had to obtain something that he did not have. Now, you might be saying, what what is it that God would not have that he would require him to be born and to receive it, his human flesh, and the blood that was carried within him. Now, many have asked the question, and I think this is an interesting question to ask, and it may sound strange to you at first, it did to me also, and that is this, have we made Christmas too beautiful? Oh, wow, I never thought about that. I love Christmas time. It's my favorite time of the year. But have we made Christmas too beautiful that in some cases it no longer truly represents that which it symbolizes and stands for? From the mangers to the trees to the songs that we sing, even to the gifts in which we give, have we made Christmas too beautiful that it no longer really resembles that which it originally meant to resemble and to symbolize. I think it's amazing that this year, 
more than ever, I see mangers everywhere, don't you? They're everywhere. And they all look the same. Somebody must have told Mary she looks good in blue. Because Mary's blue everywhere. Did you ever notice that? Mary, this goes with your eyes. You got to go with blue this year. Every year she goes with blue. I love the story of the little boy who was writing a letter to God because he wanted to try to, well, inform God that he had been a good little boy and that he wanted certain things for Christmas and he decided to go to God directly. So as he began to write his letter, he said, Dear God, I have been a very good boy for nine months. But then as he began to think about it, he said, you know, God knows everything. I can't lie. So he erased nine and put in six. Thought about it a little bit more. Erased that six and put in three. But then he knew in his heart that that still was inaccurate. And he began to reason that, God, I've been good for one week. And, didn't, and he didn't think that that was going to persuade God enough to give him the gifts in which he wanted that Christmas. So he went over to the manger and looking at Joseph and Mary and the wise men and all that were gathered there to witness the birth of Jesus, he grabbed Mary, took her with him and wrote the letter to God. God, if you ever want to see your mother again, you're going to give me what I want. Again, mangers seem to be everywhere, but I'm so glad, and I don't know if you agree with me, I'm so glad that we've gotten past maybe the phase of the live mangers, the live nativities. Have we finally come to the wisdom that animals have minds of their own? And sometimes you can't always corral them the way you would want to corral them. The famous story of a church in our area some time ago that finally put on their first live nativity. And as they gathered there together and they brought all the animals, live animals together, and they wanted to bring Mary into the nativity scene on the back of the donkey, the donkey had other plans in mind. And apparently what happened is the donkey was crossing the church parking lot, heading its way to the nativity, either a car backfire or blew its horn, and the donkey got scared and ran off with Mary. And on the security system, on the, the two-way radios, all you heard were the security of the church stating, Mary's on the move. Mary is on the move. Now, the pastor was smart enough to just say, well, this is them fleeing to Egypt. <laughs> but I'm so glad that we have finally possibly understood that maybe animals are going to bring their own will to the party. How about the number of Jesuses that are being kidnapped? Does that concern anybody else? Do you know that there's now a Wikipedia on the, on the internet that is tracking the number of Jesuses that are being kidnapped each and every year? The most valuable Jesus that was ever kidnapped was $3,750, which he then was uh, found and returned two weeks after his theft. Some have gone to such great lengths to protect their Jesuses that they've used either chains or in more advanced cases, placing GPS chips on Jesus so that they can be discovered once again. Can you imagine that? Some kid on his bike with Jesus and his handlebars and his helicopter flies over. That'd be fantastic. I like the story from 2008 from Downers Grove. That one was the best. Where 
two men in a car jumped out, true story, jumped out in front of the local nativity scene, grabbed the baby Jesus, jumped into the car, and unbeknownst to them, in a college parking lot nearby, a team was practicing roller hockey, and the whole team went after the car on their roller skates, on their roller blades, got the car's license plate, gave it to the police, and they were apprehended that night. But in all of these cases, in the nativity scene, we often get the idea, and some have equated that the nativity scene shows one who has gone from a status of rags to riches. But in actuality, the Bible tells us that God has come from riches to rags to redeem you and I. 2 Corinthians 8 9 states, For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Kent Hughes, the pastor from Wheaton College Church, stated it this way, It was clearly a leap down as if the Son of God rose from His splendor, stood poised on the rim of the universe, arrayed light, and dove headlong, speeding through stars and over the Milky Way to Earth's galaxy, where He plunged into a huddle of animals. Nothing could be lower. At that moment... In what most believe was nothing more than a cave, we discovered that the invisible became visible, that the infinite became finite, that the creator became a creature. It was at the first time that we heard God's voice through human vocal cords in the person of Jesus Christ. What was the purpose of this all? For the Bible tells us clearly that he emptied himself in Philippians 2 by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So not only the mangers today are more beautiful than the actual occurrence, but the trees of today. I'll confess to you, this is the first year we've had a live Christmas tree in our house. I am so proud of my wife, She wanted a Christmas tree. She wanted a live Christmas tree because we gave up on the whole Christmas tree. We found that we were Christmas tree impaired from the beginning of our marriage. The very first tree we went out and bought was pure white because we wanted to be different. And it was only about six feet tall and we probably bought a thousand white lights to put on it. When we illuminated that tree... It was like a beacon of light shining across the city of Chicago. Planes were rerouted. The kids used to ask if we would turn on our tree so they could have a night game in our courtyard. Jewish people from our neighborhood came because once again they thought the burning bush was burning. We were tree impaired. But this year we bought a live tree and it is absolutely beautiful to see. It is decorated in such a way of real elegance and real taste. I remember growing up, and I'm dating myself now, I remember when trees were metal. Does anybody remember that? That they had to come with their own can of Band-Aids because you could cut yourself on the Christmas tree. Today, the Christmas trees, as we admire them and look at them and remember them, again, they still don't 
resemble or symbolize properly, of course, at all the tree that is mentioned in the Bible. For the tree that we look at today and gather and and consider today, and we wait for that moment of anticipation that the presence shall be gathered underneath the tree, the tree of the Bible was nothing more than a place where one who was cursed was hung. The tree of the Bible was a place where the presence were not under the tree. It was on the tree itself in the person of Jesus Christ. And we are reminded of that. As Paul wrote in Galatians 3, as cursed is everyone who hangs from a tree, meaning it was Jesus Christ who hung from that cross and he needed to take on the body in which he took on to be able to accomplish that on our behalf. Paul also wrote, he says in Romans 5, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person would dare to even die, but God shows his love for us that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Is it possible that we've made Christmas too beautiful and have forgotten what the first Christmas was all about? What about the songs that we sing and enjoy during the Christmas time of year? Now, I'm one of those kind of people that love the Christmas songs before Christmas. But December 26th, we're done. Okay? Oh, there we go. I got one. Amen. There we go. But this year was harder than any other year in the past. It didn't matter where I seemed to find myself at any given time. Just the other day, my wife and I were in a restaurant. We were enjoying our dinner together and Christmas music was playing and the same song seemed to be reoccurring on the Muzak over and over and over again. It's, I'm dreaming of a white... Really? I look out the thermostat of the bank across the street is 62 degrees. Today in New York City, it hits 72. Okay. Now let me ask you a question. If we're going to talk about songs, we've got to talk about the movies that went along with those songs. How many have seen White Christmas already? Ooh, pretty good. I didn't know. How about Miracle on 34th Street? It's a Wonderful Life. All right, here come the biggies. Christmas Story? All right, here it is. Elf. There we go. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't it amazing how that one rose to the surface very quickly? Buddy the Elf. But the Bible says, though, even though today we here today cannot enjoy a white Christmas because of the lack of snow, understand that in God we can have a white Christmas this evening. What do I mean by that? Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins were like scarlet, they shall become as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Understand that our sin is what brought God to this earth to deal with what he dealt with on the cross that required him to take human form. And before God, our sins are red as scarlet. And the only remedy for that sin was blood. For the Bible tells us very clearly that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. In God's economy, he required a sacrifice on behalf of a person that had sinned before him. 
And that's what the Jewish people did over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And they could never keep it perfectly. They could never obtain the salvation that God desired them to have and want. And yet what he, what they, I should say, couldn't do for themselves, he did for them. And Jesus Christ was born that morning on the uh, floor of a no more than a cave and then placed in a manger that he may acquire the necessities that would then allow him to go and to pay a penalty and a price that you and I could not pay for ourselves. See, the problem with sin is that it comes with a consequence. It comes with a penalty. And that penalty is death. So Jesus Christ came to die so that we may live. And he took on human form that he may then become the ultimate sacrifice. That through the shedding of his precious blood, we by faith can believe in him and trust in him, repent of our sins, meaning turning from them and leaving them behind and going and walking to God and embracing him by faith. As he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Have we made Christmas too beautiful? to truly represent what it meant to represent. What about gifts? Now I have to ask at this point when we talk about gifts, is everyone done with their Christmas shopping? Who has to go after church? I want to see how honest you actually are. I'm glad you're all finished and I'm sure you put a lot of thought into the gift giving and buying that you uh, pursued this year. But how often do we get gifts as individuals that we rarely, rarely remember? Do you remember what you got last year for Christmas? Do you remember what you got the Christmas before? You know, there are some gifts that just leave our memory. They're just not one of those that grasps our attention. And we just seem to let it go by the wayside. But there are other gifts (laughs) that we never forget. For me, it was when I was 17 years old. I told my mother and father, they asked me several times what I wanted for Christmas, and there was this guitar that I wanted, I had my eyes set on, and I made sure they knew where to go, how to get there, how much it cost, what color I wanted. I gave them all the details. And immediately they didn't give me any real feedback to tell me if they were going to go in that direction or not. But finally they said to me, now, please, Eric, understand that the gift that we're going to give you is a very large gift, so don't expect a lot of gifts this year. I said, that's okay. As magnanimous as I was, I'll be glad with that one guitar that I've always, always wanted. And so I'm waiting patiently. And because of my young sister, we played the whole game where we had to come out on Christmas morning and so forth and unwrap our presents that were left under the tree. And as I came out to the living room, my mom and dad were there filming. And my dad had one of those Super 8 cameras with the huge light on it. I mean, it was like, you're just blinded by this thing. You're just like, holy cow, you're just seeing spots for days afterwards. And everywhere I looked, I didn't see this gift. I'm like, where is it? And they're like, oh, it's next to the tree. And there was this thing next to the tree. And I looked at them, I looked at that, I looked at them, I looked at that. And I said, that's not what I asked for. And she goes, no, but that's what you need. It was a mattress. Now, how my parents got electric guitar to a mattress, 
kids, don't let your parents do anything, okay? No. How we got there, I have no clue, but I never forgot that. It has been etched in my psyche from that point forward. But my mom and dad did give me something that I needed. I needed a mattress, though I wanted something else. I think we've all participated in white elephant gift parties. In fact, you can go online right now and find the top three white elephant gifts. If you'd like to check to make sure you've purchased the right gifts, let me help you decide with the top three white elephant gifts. A plastic pickle that yodels was in the top ten list. Bacon-flavored toothpaste was a quick follow-up, quick runner-up. But my personal favorite was a mullet wig that looked good year after year after year after year. Again, not things that we necessarily want, but maybe we need. (laughs) This year when you went out to purchase a gift, did you put much thought into it? Did you think of yourself when you purchased that gift for someone else, or did you think of them and what they really needed? You know, often when we were given presents by our parents who loved us so dearly, they gave us things that we needed that necessarily didn't blow our hair back, but it it was just something that we needed, like the eternal socks. That one was good. You always knew which one was the sock box, and you left it for last. How much time and thought and energy did you put into the gifts that you gave to those in whom you love? God took a lot of time in the gift that he provided for you. From eternity past, the beginning of eternity past, wherever that may exist or begin, which of course doesn't have a beginning and has always existed, he planned the perfect gift for you and I. He knew that there were many things that we probably wanted, but he gave us what we needed. And as he looked over his creation, he knew that there was one thing that we could not do ourselves, and that was save ourselves. That we were doomed from the very beginning of our birth to the end of our death to live in separation and to be apart from him. But God in his love and his grace and his kindness wanted to bridge that gap between you and I. And the only way that he could do it and be true to all that he has said and all that he has done and to his own personal character, he knew that the remedy for our issue, the problem of sin, could only be dealt with by he himself. So what did he do? He came and gave himself to you and I. As Titus 2.13 and 14 states, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. He knew what you needed and he provided himself. You personally. Because each and every one of us are individuals that make up the community of the entire world. And he knew what we were in need of. I like what one wrote. He says, there might be some of you here who have joined us this evening that has never opened this gift. The greatest gift ever is waiting for you, he states. 
It is not under your tree at home. It is right here in front of you now. It is the forgiveness of every sin that you have ever committed. It is the guarantee of hope that when you die, you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is the assurance that you will have meaning and purpose in your own personal life. It is because that little sweet baby born in that manger in Bethlehem who lived that perfect life and went to the cross and died for us rose again on the third day. Have we made Christmas too beautiful to remind us of what it originally meant? For it is our sin that separates us from God and there is nothing that we can do about it personally or individually. That's why God said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, we love Jesus when we can contain him in the manger and, and contain him to only resemble that sweet little baby. But that Jesus came to die. That Jesus came to pay a price before God that we could never pay for ourselves. That individual came to bridge a gap that we couldn't bridge in and of ourselves. And it was love that motivated him to do what he did. He saw from eternity past and he planned perfectly that on the very first Christmas that he was going to give you a gift that you needed but many look at and say, I don't know if I want it. I think of the story of the woman who was at a party and her fiancé wanted to uh, surprise her and propose to her during that white elephant gift party. Not off to a good start in the marriage, but a good try anyway. So he selected a god-awful present for her, something that she would just hate, and inside of it, he put a ring to propose to her. And all it said on the card was that there's more here than meets the eye. And she opened the gift and she saw what it was and she was taken back by it and she had no desire for it and she simply got mad at him and and gave the gift to some other gal that was there in the white elephant. And the gal got home, opened it up, looked inside, looked inside of it and found this beautiful engagement ring. See, sometimes we look at God that way. And we say to ourselves, I don't know if I really want this. But in actuality, it's exactly what you want because it's exactly what you need. God sees that void. He knows that need that you have. And he spoke to it in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, so many are going about their lives aimlessly, simply surviving rather than truly living, asking themselves deep questions about themselves and about the society in which they live that no one seems to be having answers for. And one of those questions is, who am I? And God says, you could be mine. I created you. Sin separated you from me. If you will turn from your sin and believe on my son, Jesus Christ, that relationship with me that was severed will be reconciled. You will be established once again through the person of Jesus Christ, that little infant that wasn't wrapped in luxurious paper 
but in a swaddling cloth, as the Bible tells us, was the answer for all of the longing questions of mankind. It was the answers to the deepest needs of the heart of the individual. It was the answers for the loneliness, the despair, the hopelessness that many carry within them. That child was the answer in the person of Jesus Christ. And he offers himself to you this evening. And it's that gift that we offer to you free of charge. That you may have eternal life in the person of Jesus Christ.